0: Vivian, everybody knows that you can go out and build a solar farm with essentially a post hole digger and an Allen key, right? And we can tap into the world's cheapest and cleanest electricity. Yes. But instead, these these just just you know um, backward people. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> these backward people. Uh, what, what you know? What, what I say? No, 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 no. We, we should be planning a, a, a nuclear power plant. It'll take. 15 years to build, billions of dollars, and will be completely uninsurable. That's the way to fix the the climate crisis.
1: That's the CEO of the Climate Energy Council, John Grimes, talking with Vivian Langford on the 3CR Climate Action Show. This is the latest episode of Climate Conversations, and I'm your host, Robert McLean. Thanks for joining us. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people, yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to elders, past, present and emerging. It was only just recently that Vivian interviewed John Grimes, and she has given me permission to republish the episode, so here it is now.
2: Is the CEO of the Smart Energy Council. He is fully aware of the climate crisis, and I want to ask him today about how the media could do better to show us the solutions. I've been to the Smart Energy Conference every year, and they are connected with everyone who has an idea, whether it's state energy ministers or farmers, hydrogen experts, or big undersea cable makers. I've interviewed so many people from that gathering that it makes my head real. But the best bit, I think, is the side event where people in the energy industry can get training and upskilling. So, John, welcome. Now that we have a new federal government, what changes are ahead?
0: well don't, don't we all feel lighter vivian after a change of government <laughs> absolutely fantastic and, and so i think i think a lot has changed just as i think you know the the world thinks about you know um The change that happened with the Biden administration coming into the US, where we went from Trumpism to to really embracing uh, the need for climate action and putting tangible support in in place there. So, too, we are seeing the same transformation in our country, going from nine years of denial and delay of obstruction to to a a new government that understands the urgency of of action on climate uh, and is putting a suite of policies in place to make that happen so i feel like it's a new dawn i feel like we've wasted a decade and and i felt like we couldn't bear to waste a single day more
2: oh and you have been in this for so long haven't you i remember all those meetings with christine milne and john hewson and then the empty seat you know all those meetings.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that that was the Abbott government who were determined to completely abolish the renewable energy target and, and in fact Vivian they succeeded because when the energy renewable energy target ended in 2020 it was replaced by nothing so Australia's target to 2030 was, 0% renewable energy mm-hmm. now the modelling that that the labour party have done um, shows that, that that they will they're on track to deliver over 83% renewables by 2030 i hope that that is an underestimation i hope that we go further than that mm-hmm. but we do have a lot of work to do because we're going to in the next decade completely electrify transportation for example so it's not just going to be energy like we know it, but it's going to be an expanded uh, energy, um, uh, uh, electrified energy system.
2: Yeah. And this is what I want the media to know, because as we said, the the government has changed, but the media hasn't changed. And they may continue a bit on that sort of, I think, quite ignorant pathway, gloom and doom sort of pathway, whereas it's quite an exciting story you're telling and all the people in this industry are telling, if only they could have their head and get the right specifications.
0: (laughs) isn't, Isn't it appalling? You know some of the media coverage that just has come out around around this stuff. That the latest push in the last twenty four hours um, from the opposition and from the Murdoch press has been, you know, almost okay. Well, if we've if we've lost the debate, you know, kind of around climate, then Australia's future is nuclear energy. <laughs> so this is just this is just a new way of delay, obstruction, you know, um, coming up with with reasons why we shouldn't act. You see, Vivian, everybody knows that you can go out and build a solar farm with essentially a post hole digger and an Allen key, right? And we can tap into the world's cheapest and cleanest electricity. Yeah. But instead, these, these just, just, you know, um, backward people. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> these backward people. Uh, what, what you know? What, what I say? No, 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 no. We, we should be planning a, a, a nuclear power plant. It'll take 15 years to build, billions of dollars, and will be completely uninsurable. That's the way to fix the, the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just another furphy. that shows that these people are just don't get it.
2: Yeah. Right. Oh well. Look, during the election, one ABC headline said climate change is being buried though voters say it's top of their concern and the uh, that was vindicated in the election and i felt frustrated because journalists didn't seem to ask questions that allowed candidates to talk about big solutions and there were a lot of them the teals alp and the greens you know they were all wanting to talk about their big solutions what, what was your response to that um you know the media during that last election
0: in a sense, we had to take the view that that actually I, I don't care what the media say because this is a this is an, a ground-up, this is a community-led uprising, if you like, and that really was best typified in the performance of the TEAL candidates. So people who are uh, you know, really new for their family's future, for their community's future, we need to take urgent action on climate. Now, there were other drivers, things like um, corruption in politics right Uh, about the inclusion of women right there were other factors but it was the climate issue that was so time critical people knew that if we don't act now actually time's up so that's the thing that gave the whole movement impetus and I think you'll find Vivian that this is not the end of that of that of that transformation of Australian politics it's merely the beginning People get this, communities get this, people are acting, and they're just not being fooled by the Murdoch press anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, if the media allows the climate wars to be over, you know, Bowen said the climate wars are over, or Albanese, I can't remember. It was a kind of one of those, oh, you know, relief moments. But if the climate wars are over, what story do you want them to tell us? Because I think a lot of people do not know just how big it is.
0: Well, the, the the critical thing is really, I think, to tell an economic story. Um, you know, solar and wind in Australia produce energy, typically up until very recently, at, at about one-third the cost of coal-fired power stations, right? One-third the cost. We're not talking about cheaper or 5% cheaper, Mm -hmm. we're talking about one-third the cost, like like dramatically cheaper, less than half the price, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what we've just witnessed is an energy crisis playing out in Australia because of... Uh, because we've invested in this so-called gas-led recovery. Do you remember, Vivian, this was the big thing that the federal government's put billions of dollars into, really increased our dependency on gas, and gas prices internationally have gone absolutely through the roof. Now you're talking about solar and gas Producing at around $40 per megawatt hour, and the gas fired power stations producing at over $300 per megawatt hour. So it's not even so. So once people know this is the cheapest form of electricity, and this is the electricity that the whole world is demanding in embedded products, in steel, in zinc and aluminium, mm-hmm. then we actually are at the right place in history at the right time and in the right geography. We have the best renewable resources. This is about the re of our economy. Attract, attracting heavy industry uh, and, and energy-intensive industry to this country, employing tens of thousands of Australians and producing the cleanest and cheapest products that we export to the world. So it's a really, really bright future. It's based on economics and it's it's happening and real today.
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, lots of think tanks have been putting out reports about how this will happen. And the, as you say, we've got rid of the main obstructionists but there's still fossil fuel money coming in and that's part of that corruption but the scale of this energy transition and the upskilling of the workers it does look colossal to me and I have done interviews with people saying we just haven't got the workers and for a long time the renewable uh, wind and solar industry were saying we, we just haven't got the right settings, government settings to make us invest in this big thing including export of energy so, what questions could the media ask, do you think, that would help us understand the scale of this and what's needed?
0: Well, the, the surprising story is the bottom-up transformation of the energy market, right? A lot of planners thought about energy as being, you know, rooftop solar and batteries and electric vehicles as to being like a a little tiny footnote, kind of something that was a fringe activity that happened somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. And now, in many markets, it makes up more than thirty percent of generation in different states and territories. In yeah. some states and territories, it makes up a hundred percent of of our of our generation today, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so this is something that that's happening from the bottom up as much as it's happening from the top down down. And so yes, we you know and and this is going to Vivian, this is going to be, the transformation over the next decade is going to be like the the Industrial Revolution. That's the scale and magnitude of change we're talking about for the whole of our society and for the whole of the economy. But the thing is, it's going to happen 10 times faster than the Industrial Revolution happened. Mm. So this is the decade where everything changes, everything. Electrification of transport. We electrify everything. We cut off gas. We completely transform our economy and so yes that you know we're going but the good news is we can respond we've seen that industry can ramp up if if the programs are put in place things like the 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 federal government's 10,000 apprenticeship program so 10,000 free apprenticeships for skilled people in this sector then we can make the transition but it doesn't happen by accident we need that plan. We need the leadership of governments, both federal and state, to actually uh, make it as cheap and quick as possible.
2: Yeah. Well, lots of listeners will have read that book by Saul Griffith, the, the Switch. And he really does. He does focus on that household level and local industry level and manufacturing here. And not he doesn't put too much hope on hydrogen. And, you know, hes he's... a a thought leader there, but maybe the time has come for that. But I think it's where we need the media to talk it up and to not necessarily to advocate for it. You know, they can take either side, but but to not go down, yeah, as you say, a rabbit hole over nuclear or something, you know, just get with what is already happening and ask the questions. I don't think it's easy. I don't think it will be easy. I know you're a great optimist, but I think it must involve a lot of, Hard. look how COVID. how hard it was for COVID. look at the workers in the hospitals and the schools who've really fallen by the wayside now um because it was impossible to even just do a plain and ordinary pandemic i mean i think renewable energy is a bigger thing than that
0: yeah and, and there's, there's no doubt that the you know the, the forces the the vested interests around coal and gas and particularly gas in australia are very substantial. They, these are global networks, you know, these are very powerful industries. They are, they are fighting tooth and nail to hold on to every dollar of revenue they can as they kind of slip away. And so I I don't underestimate, you know, the scale of the of the, the opponents that we have, but I am heartened vivian by the people of australia and so don't underestimate voices like your own voice this is about like community media to actually get the 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 message out there i would say to you that more people are engaging and listening and tuning in and saying what rot what rubbish what utter rubbish when they when they hear it from the other side they're seeing through it and we're seeing that in election results and i think we'll see that continue so in a sense we will prevail um, uh, and uh, But but we are up against formidable odds.
2: Okay. Well, look, for homeowners, let's go, I want to look at the the low level of the just the average homeowner and then at the big export level. For homeowners, what's the new story you want to tell? I think the new government is firming up the grid. They're putting a lot of money into the grid and rewiring the nation. And they're offering community batteries. And I want to know, uh, So people who live in apartments can get clean energy. Tell us what it will be like. What are the advantages for people just at the domestic level?
0: Yeah, well, well, a couple of things that I'm thinking about at the moment. The first one is cut the gas. So, So gas used to be about, in the Australian market, about $6 a kilojoule. When we started to export it, it went to $9 or $12 a kilojoule. And today it's sitting at $300 a kilojoule. Right. that is the magnitude of the of of the, the problem with gas now the thing is that russia cannot take away australia's sunshine or wind right russia does not have that capacity right russia was able to put gas prices up to $300 a kilojoule right that that was the effective outcome and so we need to embrace and actually start to say let's cut the gas you can do space heating with heat pumps and hydronic hot water systems or very efficient reverse cycle air conditioners. So you can do and live a very comfortable life powered by renewable energy. You can heat your water, your hot water with heat pump technology or directly driven PV electric hot water system. You can actually cook on your cooktop on on induction cooktops. You can effectively cut the gas to your home and business, get rid of all of those emissions and save yourself an absolute fortune, still have exactly the same standard of living that you have today. Um, In Mm -hmm. fact, probably more comfortable. And it's not subject to petro dictators dictators from overseas kind of you know calling the shots so that's that's something that i'm very very interested in seeing people you know, that people do
2: well i want to know about like apartment dwellers because people always say this is a problem and chris bowen said i was at a forum where i live and he said we're giving a you know a, a big battery to bondi as specific as that and apparently 60 percent of the people in bondi are living in apartments so how's that going to change
0: so, so we, we have several members that focus specifically on this area. So one of it is net virtual metering. So it means you don't have to have the solar system on your apartment block. You can actually contract with somebody that has a solar system remote to you and actually do an offset of your metering arrangements. That is all technically possible. And so it means people shouldn't be constrained about the fact that they don't have access to a rooftop that they control. That's going to be really important. So we have members that do that peer-to-peer trading right now today in Australia. It's real and it's being rolled out. The other one is access to electric vehicle charging. So very difficult. If you live in a big apartment block, you've got limited parking. How do you get access to that? So these are all things that are going to be you know, be, be really important. But the good news is there are technical and financial solutions to these things. They are, they are being rolled out, and we can make it so that, one, everybody gets access, and two, nobody gets left behind. That we have programs for low-income people, for example, that don't have the upfront capital to install solar or batteries or electric vehicle charging. That, that we 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 through through financial models allow them to access the technology and pay it back over a long period of time. So their savings they make are greater than the repayment rate that they're doing. So they're saving money at the same time as, as switching to renewables.
2: Okay, the yeah. biggest yeah. the big picture then is. Um, the, us becoming an exporter of renewable energy, We're so far we're a superpower in gas exports, I think, um, shortly after Saudi Arabia, becoming a renewable energy superpower. I think a lot of people haven't really got a grip on what that looks like.
0: Yeah, sure. Let, let me give you one, one tangible example for people. A company called Sun Metals, they're a Korean company, and they, they refine zinc. They refine other metals as well, but refined zinc is a big one. And what they've, what they've figured out is that refining zinc is a very energy intensive process and energy prices around the world are very high. So they actually move their zinc refining to just outside of Townsville in Queensland and they power the zinc refining through a really big solar farm. So they're using Australian sunshine to create the energy that, 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 that refines the zinc, and then they export the zinc. They've said that by 2025, all of their metal production will be driven by renewable energy. And that's because it's the cheapest energy. It's also the cleanest energy, so the emissions in that zinc, zero emissions, right, from the smelting process. Now, think about Australia. We dig up minerals. And we send them overseas we basically get big tractors and we dig up essentially dirt i mean i'm over exaggerating but essentially dirt put it onto a boat and then send it overseas and overseas they do all the value adding right they actually then create the steel and they create the aluminium and they create the other things that is used in the construction build cars build aircraft all of that around the world right build batteries now we have the resources. We also have access to the, to the world's cheapest electricity. If you put a solar panel in Queensland or Western Australia or out back New South Wales, even northern, northern Victoria, that solar panel will produce up to 2.6 times more energy than the exact same solar panel in Germany anywhere in Germany, or in the UK, or in Japan, or in South Korea. These places don't have access to the same solar resources that we have. They don't have exp- access to land. They don't have access to the infrastructure, the ports, the rail lines that allow you to do that and actually export things to market. We do. It's called the Pilbara, right? It's called you know the, the north of, of Queensland. That's what we do. That's what our economy is not completely built on, but it's a big, important foundation of our economy. Now, Imagine this. We take all of those metals, we value add here using the world's cheapest electricity as an input source, means we can outcompete anybody in the world. Think about all those manufacturing jobs that currently reside in Germany, in Kentucky and in Shanghai and actually bringing those back so that they're actually happening here, then you think about how we employ Australians for the long term and derive a a benefit right throughout our economy by value adding and actually reaping the benefits for the Australian economy. That's what renewable energy superpower is all about.
2: Well, as you say, it's a ground up, you know, from these industries and thinkers up. I don't see anyone in Parliament talking like that yet, but we need them to put in the regulations to make it, for example, to protect First Nations people. It's not just empty land. We're not going back to Terra Nullius. And I know you're very well sensitive about that. So how are we going to get, again, the journalists, the media, the story, who's going to tell the story of how that will happen?
0: A good example is Andrew Forrest from uh, Fortescue, Future industries, right? So one of the, you know, Twee Forest, right? One of the big mining billionaires. And, and when he sat down and looked at this, he said, holy dooly, you know, this is this changes everything. This actually means that that by harnessing renewables, we could, we could, he personally is thinking we could actually grow the most profitable company in the world because others haven't seen the opportunity yet others are not moving yet others don't have an imagination others don't see the opportunity so what he's what he's done is he's focused his whole business on exploiting this opportunity being the first to market and actually developing these projects not just in Australia but in other places around the world where they have access to great renewable resources places like Chile or you know um, uh, or other jurisdictions so so The early movers, the smart money, get it. They're moving. They're just doing it. And what will happen is it just takes time for the others to catch up. And a good example, you know, was the big battery in South Australia. Nobody had an imagination, firstly, that it could be done or secondly, that it would really add huge value Uh, until Elon Musk and Mike Cannon-Brooks made a bet on Twitter and less than a hundred days later, there's the big battery. Now, a couple of years later, and people are saying that was that is one of the most significant assets on the grid. And gee, couldn't batteries really solve our problems? Well, no joke, Sherlock, you know, is what I would say, right? This has been self-evident. This is not, this is not some mystery. And so, yes, that that is happening. It will continue to happen. The transition will happen, and and the others look like yesterday's men and women they're left behind right and they're left behind commercially and politically and that's the transition it
2: makes me a bit nervous having this all run by billionaires though because i feel that we do there's such a role for government and for the community you know it's always been these local communities who said okay this gas is going to frack our great artesian basin it's the local people who know the, the aboriginal people who say this is this is not this is not legal this is trampling on our rights um that has got to happen that that it's not the same sort of gold rush mentality i know it's exciting I, I, to hear, look, I, but...
0: I, I, no well, well i completely agree and the good news is those communities that are taking action it means there's a really sustainable economic model behind what they're doing so, you know, because if you can harness that and then actually so it feeds on itself and reinforces, then those opportunities are absolutely there. And they are absolutely the groups that we should empower, be empowering, right? You know, as, as you say, all very well for, for, for the kind of the billionaires to make the move. I suppose my point is um, the, the environment is right for this to happen. Those that want to make the switch and engage it, I think, can be very successful in this. And whether that's a local cooperative, whether it's First Nations, people making making the move, or whether it's large companies, but ultimately that's good for all of us and
2: it's good for the planet. Right. All right. Well, let's finish now. Uh, just would you like to say a word to the climate movement because our listeners, a lot of them, are taking all sorts of climate action in all its. You know climate, the climate crisis is so multi pronged, isn't it? It's bigger than an octopus. You know, there's so many sectors in it, but you're a big sector of it, the energy electricity sector. But what do you want to say to the climate? activists who you hear about in the news a little bit?
0: Um... Well, my, my, my message would be this. Um, just as Don Chip said from the Democrats, it's, it's incumbent on all of us to keep the bastards honest. <laughs> and that doesn't matter who's in government, right, whether it's Labor or Liberal or anybody else. Ultimately, we have to continue to strive to push the, you know, our federal and our state politicians to do more, to go faster, be more ambitious because the climate crisis is upon us and we have to transition and move really quickly everything from waste the reef uh, recycling plastic you know so many aspects of uh, of our world so so uh, what i would say is you know uh, enjoy the win right this is a big step forward where we've come from but it's not the end and, and, and now's the time to, to really focus and, you know, support in a positive way, but also continue to push and, and make sure we go further and faster.
1: Thanks so much to Vivian Langford from the Climate Action Show on 3CR. Thanks also to John Grimes. A great address. That wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks for your company. Until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, And please be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends.